Welcome to the Enlightened Practice Podcast, brought to you by the Luminello Electronic Medical Record folks. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Braslow and Dr. Carrie Kagan. Hi, Carrie. Welcome back. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me. Sure. Today, we're going to take a different approach. Instead of us asking each other questions, we're going to read some questions from our listeners and give our thoughts. Right. So let's dive right in. Uh, first question is, okay. how did you name your practice? So why don't you go first, and then I'll tell you how I ma- named my practice. Mm, that's a good question. Okay, okay. Yeah, I named my practice. Uh, some factors that I thought about in the process were what um, what kind of practice do I have. So I wanted it to represent, you know, in general, like, for example, my theoretical orientation or something about, I wanted something in the name that represented the kind of population I work with or how I approach therapy or something like that. So that was a factor I took into consideration. And then um, some other things I thought about were uh, just from a marketing perspective, Um, what would help my website pop up if someone Googled something looking Mm. for a therapist in the area. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I took that into consideration um, and eventually got, and then, you know, what was already out there. So we, I started to do some Googling of of similar practices to mine to get a sense of, you know, what's out there. I didn't want to copy uh, what had already been done, wanted to make sure that the web address was available. Um, and, uh, you know, with all of that process eventually got to what uh, my practice is called, which is SF Bay CBT. So that was a representation of the location that I was in. Um, mm-hmm. And CBT, which is the kind of practice, the kind of treatment that I use primarily. And so um, I felt like that was a good representation of, of my practice and also would help people to find me online. That's great. Um, wow. What I about you? What did you take into consideration? I should have been doing this with you a long time ago. I, <laughs> none of that occurred to me. I just named it after myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think I remember filling out a business license application and it was like, um, you know, what's your name? Mm -hmm. And then what is the name of your business? And I probably came up with something else. And then immediately below it, it said, have you filed for a fictitious business name permit? Yes. And have you posted this in a local newspaper? I feel like in San Francisco, that was a requirement Mm -hmm. when I was setting up my practice and you had to run for four weeks and you couldn't place the (laughs) ad online. You had to go into the office to do it. Uh, And I was like, I think my name will will have to work. I can't possibly be bothered to go through all of that. And, And that's what I've used ever since. Right. And... I don't, I don't know that there is a, what do you think? Should your business have its own name now? Like think about now how far you've come. I don't know how many people are now finding you in Google. Does it, do you think it's fine that it's not named after yourself now? No big deal. Or do you wish that it was named after yourself? 
Yeah, I think I think it's fine. I think that there's so many approaches to naming your practice and there really is no right or wrong way. And I've seen anything from like really lovely names like Healing Hands mm-hmm. or whatever it might be to something more like middle of the road like mine that's kind of practical, like the kind of therapy and location to just names. And so I just really think it's a combination of like what suits your personality, what you feel really represents you as a person in your practice, Mm -hmm. but also just, yeah, like what's practical from a marketing perspective and just Mm -hmm. from like a business perspective, because it is a process to name your, your practice. So I don't think there's a right approach to it. Um, I agree. This is great advice. I should have listened to you a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. Um, Why don't we move on to our next uh, question? Um, which is how do you handle communication outside of session in your practice? That's a good one. Um, you want to go first or, uh, but yeah, what are you, I'm curious to hear what, what you do. Sure. Well, I tend to push people, uh, toward communication within the portal. I tell people you're welcome to call me. And if I'm, I get um, an email notification that you've left a voicemail, but I typically don't answer the phone because I'm either in session or I'm busy and uh, rarely do I answer the phone and it's something that I want to engage in a long conversation about. So I typically tell people you'll get my voicemail, um, but I am much more likely to respond in the portal, even though you called me because I can sneak in a message during the day in between other patients or uh, at the end of the day, whereas a phone call, I never quite know how long a phone call is going to last, and I don't mm-hmm. have time budgeted for that. And that if it's mm-hmm. uh, really complicated and you think that the portal is going to take too long, um, go ahead and book an appointment online first. Mm-hmm. And then let's see how far out that appointment is, because I agree that email is not optimal for complex or multiple subjects. For uh, I'm on five milligrams and I've been fine on this for a week. Can I go to seven and a half milligrams? Okay, that's uh, much easier for me to handle in the portal. And I don't want people to have to make an appointment just to ask me a tiny dosing tweak question but in general either send me a message in the portal or leave me a voicemail but i'll get back to you in the portal and that's how i handle it during the business day so why don't we start with that one how do you handle during the business day i'll make a pause here to invite our listeners to share this podcast with others if you find it useful you'll find us on apple podcasts and spotify also, send us your questions and comments. Our email is enlightenedpractice at luminello.com. That's enlightenedpractice at luminello.com. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, during the business day, um, I de- just when I get started with a client in the informed consent period, I let them know that... Um, you know, to get just in general to give at least 24 hours before I can get back to whichever way they reach out, whether it's mm-hmm. email, or portal, phone, um, just that, you know, I can't, I'm not an on-call therapist. It's hard to be that when you're in private practice. Um, and 
I don't, since I don't do prescriptions, that's not something that, um, that kind of issue would not be discussed at all in my practice. So usually it's either a scheduling thing or um, a clinical thing. Like there's something that's really stressing them out between sessions. Um, in which case I tell clients do not email about that. It's actually not an appropriate um, form to talk about that and to email or to either schedule an appointment, to email about scheduling an appointment or to message through the portal. Um, but I, I won't do any clinical work over email. Um, in terms of phone calls, I would potentially set up phone calls with clients during business hours um, if I can get to it, if a client is really struggling with a clinical issue. But again, I do give myself that space to um, in the informed consent to let a client know that if there is an emergency, a clinical emergency or something that's really urgent, that actually what, you know, leaving a message or a text or an email doesn't guarantee that I'll see it. Um, and it's actually probably better to go to the hospital if it's that kind of situation. Um, but you know, usually I'm, you know, doesn't, I'm open to however a client wants to reach out to me. Um, I actually don't really have a preference. I just want to make sure that the more important thing is that they know that I won't be able to respond right away. Um, and scheduling appointment would be the best way forward if it's a clinical thing. Mm -hmm. And do, do you get any pushback from clients when you talk to them about that? No. No, I think they understand that it's like a one a one man show in private practice. And if I'm with another uh -huh. client, I can't be uh, checking email or listening to a voicemail or something like that. But if a if a client emails me and says I really would love to be able to talk today, um, that I would I would encourage a client to either send an email that's similar to that or through the portal. That's more secure messaging. Um, platform. And then I will, you know, try to make time to, to schedule a call. Um, but usually still that call will be brief and it will, you know, m ideally be under 15 minutes. And then we would schedule a time to have a full session in person or video. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you give out your cell phone number? I have a work cell and uh, yes, my clients have that and they can text that number, but I don't, I don't do texting for clinical issues or chatting and no, I've not had any experience where a client used text in that way. Usually it would be for um, the appropriate use of text in my practice is if a client is running late and they send me a quick text and say, I'm running late or I can't show for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um uh, so that would be an appropriate use of, of the quote unquote, like work cell, um, but not for chatting or anything like that or an, or an emergency. Got it. Makes sense. Do you have a cell phone that clients can call? So I, I do have a work, a virtual work cell phone mm -hmm. and texting, I try and avoid that at all costs. Uh, mm -hmm. For one, it's just not easy to get that into the chart and um also i don't i don't get notifications mm -hmm. of it like i would with regular texting mm -hmm. so sadly a text could just sit mm -hmm. and you would think oh it's a text you know they must be getting it right away but actually i don't even know what's there mm 
So the only times that I've appreciated text is for, um, like, if an appointment needs to be, like, I needed to cancel an appointment really late notice. Um, of course, would message and call, but texting for some people is the only way to um, get through to them. And then also uh, occasionally scheduling changes that are really painful to pull off for some reason, even in spite of online booking and messaging. And then sometimes it that's fine. It's easier to text that way. Yeah. But that's, that's it. I used to, when I first started in practice, I actually had an answering service. Mm. And that was not inexpensive. And it was hardly ever used. And I had to give them a fact, essentially. If anybody calls, here's what they might ask. And here's how I'd like you to respond. So I had to envision all these different scenarios and mm-hmm. at the end of the, which is what they requested because they said, well, how do we know what to say? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it was almost always that they would page me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was not <laughs> so useful. Very helpful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it kind of led in a circle. And so, yes, it was a bit of a buffer. Yeah. Uh, between me and the patient directly, which um, when working with med management is potentially meaningful, especially if you have really um, high volume of patients. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. just seemed more work than it was worth. And so I just, uh, I agree with you. I just tell people now, just message me uh, or leave me a voicemail. And I try to get back to you as fast as I can. But uh, it's yeah. within business hours, and yeah. if it's truly a crisis, uh, I I will call you back right away. But I don't always get notified right away, and right. or I'm in session or I'm busy, and I say if you can't wait for a response, then you have to go to the emergency room. Right. So that's how exactly. I try and frame it. Uh, yeah. That I'll do my best as soon as I can. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I will just say one note on after hours and weekend you know, how to handle that. I was, and I was given advice early on and I've taken it. And I think it also depends on the population you're working with. So that's worth considering when you just make your policies around after hours. But for, I work just with adult, the adult population, it's not a, a, um, a high risk population per se. So I'm pretty strict on, um, don't expect to hear from me after hours or weekends. And in fact, I don't, I try my best to not even respond to emails after hours because I don't even want a client to see it like that at 9 p.m. I answered Uh an email, um, which might kind of start to set the precedent that like maybe I'm reachable then. Even if I do happen to read it, I'll still wait until business hours the next day. So I tend to err on the side of just being a little bit more protective of my time that I really am a business hours only therapist. And and as long as I inform the client of that, if they want more of the on-call therapist, then they can make that decision for themselves. And there's so, and plenty of therapists use more of, have more of like an on-call model um, for various reasons, because the population, because it's what they want to do. For me, that doesn't work. So I hold that boundary on the weekends and evenings. 
And if that doesn't work for a client, then they can definitely go, they can find, you know, better fit when it comes to schedule and um, on-call availability. Um, So it's something to think about. (laughs) I think that's a really nice way that you put it. And being able to say to a prospective patient or client, you know, I might not be the right fit for you is a, is a really smooth way of uh, conveying your own boundaries, but also helping them yeah. feel empowered. Yeah. And that it is, as in many uh, relationships, types of different relationships in life, it's the fit that matters. Right. And uh, it's not always meant to be. Yeah. And, and I think it's good that they get that you can be assertive too. And that's part of what we model for our patients because that's often yeah. clinically a challenge for them in their own relationships. Yeah. Okay. Well, I okay. think that uh, covers our uh, the questions today okay. and yeah. I look forward to uh, um, reviewing more uh, listener questions with you soon. And yeah. a reminder to our listeners that you're welcome to send us a question uh, and uh, you can Click the link uh, right below this podcast and um, send it to us, and or just message or send us an email, and um, we'll be happy to think out loud about um, yeah, the good questions that you sent us. Fun. Yeah. All right, Carrie, it was great learning from you today. I'm yeah, going to go think about renaming you. my practice now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay take care. Bye. Bye. If you like today's podcast and want to hear more, follow us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have a question you'd like to be discussed on a future podcast, send it to enlightenedpractice at luminello.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.